0: You did it, didn't you? They want you to go for it. Ah, Mauricio!
1: They want you to talk about the Raiders' anniversary before the Nazis do. And they're prepared to pay handsomely for it.
0: And the podcast? The podcast gets the episode when we're finished. Oh, yes. (laughs) Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nothing else has come close. That movie represents everything we got into podcasting for in the first place. hmm You know, five years ago I would have talked about it myself. I'm really rather envious. I've got to locate Adam. I think I know where to start. Suppose he'll still be with him? Possibly, but... Chris is the least of your worries right now. Believe me, Andy. What do you mean?
1: Well, I mean... That for nearly 40 years, fans have been watching Raiders of the Lost Ark and... Not something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. It's... like nothing you've ever talked about
0: before. (laughs) Mauricio! What are you trying to do, scare me? You sound like my mother. We've known each other for a long time. I don't believe in magic, a lot of superstitious hocus-pocus. I'm talking about a movie of incredible historical significance. You're talking about the Boogeyman. Besides, you... you know what an unopinionated fellow I am. Hmm. Forty years ago, millions and millions of people
1: swarmed into a dark theater anxiously awaiting a film brought to life by two Hollywood powerhouses. Within minutes, they were introduced to one of the most iconic characters of all time. His name was Indiana Jones and the film was Raiders of the Lost Ark. From a story by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman, a screenplay by Lawrence Kasdan, Music by John Williams, cinematography by Douglas Slocum, produced by Frank Marshall, directed by Steven Spielberg, and starring Harrison Ford. The film grossed nearly $390 million at the box office and was nominated for 9 Academy Awards, ultimately winning 5 of them. But perhaps the biggest accomplishment for this film is the impact it had on Hollywood and the long-lasting legacy it holds being regarded as one of the greatest action films of all time. We would like to thank everyone for joining us to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark. My name is Adam, and today with me I have gathered two huge Indiana Jones fans to join me. You know Andrew Dodd, a fellow Viewers Cut member. How are you doing today, Andrew? No, I don't think we've ever met before. Hello. (laughs) And along with him making his third appearance on this podcast Mr. Chris Montero how are you doing today Bixie I'm doing
2: good buddy you've really sold me as a super fan and I am a super fan but it's been a while so I uh, <laughs> I might be a little rusty oh you're gonna be
0: put to the test today yeah
1: so yes we're celebrating Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, it turns 40 years old this year and I wanted to start off with both of you I don't care who goes first one of you can jump it to the plate I'm just curious uh, when you first discovered Raiders of the Lost Ark, and uh, basically, do you recall when you saw it for the first time? Uh, I don't recall the first time I saw it.
2: I believe it was around the same time uh, when I was on the Tarantino podcast. Uh, around that time, when Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs were like my first like legit movies that I saw, and I was like, "Oh, okay, movies are like an art form. I need to like go back and look at all like the classic movies." So I don't have an exact like date or time, but it was definitely within that time period of just like hitting up the IMDb Top 250 list and just going down the list and watching as much oh, like classic films as possible. Obviously, being a big Spielberg fan at the time, because I know I definitely saw Jaws at a younger age because it, it scarred me for life. But um, so loving that movie, <laughs> just kind of going through his uh, filmography and, and hitting up this movie. Yeah, it, it is one of my favorite movies. Like just watching it this morning, just the cinematography alone is just so good Spielberg. It's just like this movie is just like masters doing what they do best at their craft. And yeah, I love it. And uh, yeah, it blew me away the first time I saw it. Couldn't agree with you
0: more. What about you, Andrew? Um, well, uh, contrary to Chris's answer, you know me, I'm all about the nostalgia factor. And, uh, but, but funnily enough, I came to Indiana Jones uh, a bit later uh, Star Wars and Indiana Jones for like around eight, nine, ten years old for me. And uh but as I've mentioned before on this podcast, my my grandfather was a big fan of those movies, and I think I asked for copies for my birthday before even seeing any of them. I wanted them. And in those days you couldn't like if your local video store didn't have copies of the VHS to buy, you you were you had nothing. There was you couldn't you couldn't get a movie if you couldn't find it in a store. So I think I think we had um he found a friend who would do transfers, uh, legally, I'm sure, of uh, VHS tapes. <laughs> and so for a birthday present, I got three like nicely put together in plastic cases, but knockoff versions of uh, all three movies, each one like nicely labeled on the front, which one it was. And uh, I don't even remember what order I watched them And I don't think Raiders was the first one I saw. I think it may have even been the last of the original three
1: interesting yeah i i when i came up with this question i I traveled back to my time and i was like you i was a lot later coming into indiana jones and i remember it vividly because this is back when blockbuster existed in uh in my small town of st thomas and do you remember the i think it was the first trailer for kingdom of the crystal skull when it came out and it started with flashbacks and shots from the first three movies and he's like he saved the fountain of youth and all this stuff i remember seeing that i'm like i have to watch these movies so i hopped on my bike i remember this vividly i hopped on my bike i biked down to blockbuster so this would have been 2008 early 2008 so i would have been 15 you were taking a I break to from blockbuster. rocky is that it you weren't yeah. gonna rent anywhere <laughs> so. <laughs> so i walked in and it's funny enough i didn't rent them i bought a box set of raiders temple and last crusade and i went home and i watched all three of them in order, uh, Raiders, Temple of Doom, and Last Crusade, and that was my introduction to it, because I was obviously a huge Spielberg fan, but I'm like, I have never seen any of the Indiana Jones, I have to watch these now, and then I went and watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull when it came out, and I'm like, wow, okay, well, the other, the, obviously the first three are better, but I, I remember vividly, I remember biking there and, and grabbing them and then seeing them for the first time, and I liked all of them, but uh, I, I just, I you know, was a little ashamed never having seen them calling myself a Spielberg fan, so.
0: Isn't that funny that... Uh... None of us, uh, none of the, none of us watched them from an early age. We all kind of came to them later. I think they just weren't popular right throughout the '90s and early 2000s. They just sort of gone away.
1: Yeah, because again, when you think of Spielberg, like for me, when I was younger, it was obviously Jurassic Park. I was like Chris. I saw Jaws at a very young age, and it's very strange that I watched Jaws as a young kid, but I didn't watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're very yeah. different movies. So yeah, when I think of youth and Spielberg, I, I obviously always go to Jurassic Park. Um, in regards to Raiders, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this because I, you know, watched it as intently as I could. Uh, what makes it, like, cons- considered one of the greatest action films of all time? Like, it really doesn't do anything extraordinary. Is it just that it does the simple things well? I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are because everyone considers it one of the greatest action films of all time.
0: Uh, we, we could probably be here all day uh, talking about why it's a, a good movie or why it's effective. Um, I'll, maybe I'll let Chris speak to the more technical aspects of it, but I think it's, um, why it resonates is because it really appeals to like our most basic, um, element of, or our basic understanding of storytelling. Like it, it harkens back to a type of movie, um, from, you know, earlier on in in cinema history where uh, storytelling was as simple as like archetypes you know, and your good guys versus your bad guys. And they weren't necessarily complex and they weren't necessarily challenging, but it was something we could all understand and we could all root for. So Spielberg just used his mastery at his craft to create um, just an effective and memorable hero fighting effective and memorable bad guys in, uh, in an exciting way. So I think that's why... You know, it's not a it's not a it's not a 2001 space odyssey. It's not a Citizen Kane, kind of like what you were saying, Adam, on your guilty pleasures episode. Like these things don't don't always need to be uh, complicated in order to be relatable and uh, really exciting.
1: Now, Chris, before you jump in here, do you remember in film school when Eric showed us the, 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 the famous truck scene? as an example uh, sorry the truck chase when indy goes into the truck he goes under the truck and around just how well executed it shot and the editing and like just the intensity of it. like do you recall i remember uh, like, i remember it vividly i didn't even realize how well a scene it is you know how well executed the scene is i loved it watching it this morning that was actually one of the standout
2: scenes for me is like i just love that scene i think it's amazing uh and then just to kind of piggyback on what you said before too like i think um the, the simplicity of this movie is like what makes it so amazing and like kind of like in the breaking bad episode we talk about how there's setups and payoffs and this movie again watching it this morning is full of setups and payoffs they're so simple and when you watch it for the first time you probably wouldn't see most of them coming but yeah just the simplicity of the action and uh, you know you hear the behind the scenes stories of how he it, it sounded like a real kind of run and gun production in a way uh, Cause Spielberg was adamant about keeping it uh, under budget and under schedule because of his last two movies were over budget and over schedule. And you can see as a, because I'm a filmmaker in a way making videos for a living, you can see where those decisions are coming into play. Like the famous scene where he, Uh, shoots the guy with the sword instead of having that elaborate fight play out like it was supposed to uh, just because everyone was sick on the crew or something like that. (laughs) Uh, But it's just like little things like that, that just, like I said, the simplicity for how run and gun it is. The cinematography is just uh, amazing. There's so many iconic images in this film. Uh, And then just, I don't know if it's like culture, like pop culture that helps propel like your nostalgia for this movie. Cause like watching the plane fight this morning, as much as I love the plane fight, it definitely is dated watching it today, but like, it's also just iconic. Like the guy getting hit by the fan and the uh, propeller and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, I just purely, it's the simplicity. Uh, I like that, you know, you don't need uh, um, uh, like it. If this movie were made today, I feel like it would have been an hour longer and we would have got all this backstory about why they're doing what they're doing. And I love that. It's just simple. It's like, you get a vague idea of who this guy is and what he does. And they're just putting him in that element and making him a rock star essentially. And like keeping it simple, uh, I, that at the end of the day, that's
0: what I think makes this movie so strong. And, uh, you know, I think, um, like, it's funny how you say how, um, on the fly it was, or you said run and gun, like, but, but also still so well done. And a movie that's under the crunch and have people just winging it could be a complete disaster, right? Like that's oh, yeah. how you get Usually some of the worst is. movies of all time. So do you think that there's an element of like lightning in a bottle here that, that just happened that these guys were all totally on point while they were doing this? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, you literally have masters of their craft.
2: Like you have Spielberg coming off of Jaws and Close Encounters. You have George Lucas coming off of the first Star Wars film. Uh, and then you have uh, like that whole, they basically merged their two crews together. Like you have Ben burnt the sound designer from star Wars, uh, doing, uh, amazing sound work in this movie. Uh, I'm, I didn't actually get a chance to look up the DP. Uh, but I believe he had like quite a list of uh, credits prior to shooting the film uh, as well. Douglas Slocum. Is that him? Yeah. Yes. And it looks yeah, like he shot the first Italian job. So like this guy, like knew what he was doing. He, he had a million credits by the looks of it, but before he even got to, uh, raider so you just have like a bunch of masters at their craft coming together doing what they do making this passion project and like just spielberg just knows the cinematic language so well that you can make like this is spielberg spielberg making a run and gun movie is still like one of the best movies of all time it's just like you can't no one can replicate that that's just like born into him kind of thing
1: yeah i think a good example that i always am drawn to like in regards to us speaking about how simple this movie is the, the date scene when you're getting exposition about, uh, I forget what it's called, but the thing that goes on the top of the shaft and the guy is, uh, or the, I forget what it's called, but...
0: The headpiece to the staff of Ra.
1: There it is. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> and, um, and I said shaft, <laughs> and it's a staff. Shaft of um, Ra.
0: You know, with Richard Roundtree, he's in it.
1: <laughs> but how simple it is to just add a little bit of tension to this scene by poisoning the dates and the whole time... Indy's about to eat the date while well, we're getting some serious exposition for the film. Just turning a simple scene into something tense, I, I think, is adding the nuance and stuff to, to the the film just to make it more interesting, because it could just be two people sitting and talking. But instead, it's, you know, you're, again, adding tension. Now, like, there's a lot of stuff, like, the other sequence I like is the, uh, when, uh, Marion ends up in the uh in like the not a barrel, but whatever that thing is. And Indy's chasing her through the streets like it's, again, so well executed. And the landscape and the the settings they shoot in, like they're all over the place in this movie. And it's just it's a fun ride and it's well paced. Like Chris said, this movie would be terrible if it was three hours. It's just go, go, go. I think it's under two hours, which is great.
2: It is. It's an hour 40.
1: Yeah, it's perfect. It's. it's it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, it just paced very well. So Chris mentioned this earlier uh, with Jaws and uh, night or Jaws and Close Encounters. So Spielberg had two big hits, and then he did 1941, which I think went well over budget. I know you mentioned that, Chris. And I'm just curious. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Do you think this movie, in some ways? I don't want to say saved his career but reignited Spielberg's career because obviously he went on a huge surge in the the mid and late 80s after this. And I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are.
0: Well I, I don't uh, I don't have a ton to say I, I think probably yeah. Uh, the only reference I have is I, 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 and I haven't even confirmed this. Oh what a bad podcaster. Um, I think I remember watching the Siskel and Ebert like 1981 review of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I think they mentioned something like, um, yeah, 1941 sort of tested Spielberg and it kind of gave this like, eh, who, is this guy just going to be like a, a one trick pony or a one hit wonder or whatever. And I think they said something to the effect of like, no, 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 this kid, you know, quote kid, has proven that uh, he's got it. And I think, yeah, so I think Raiders did sort of cement it like, okay, three huge hits now out of four movies. Um, He's the real deal.
2: Yeah, and to kind of piggyback on that point, I got in a few YouTube videos of like behind-the-scenes featurettes of this as well yesterday before uh, we recorded. And basically it sounds like Spielberg, even though he was making these amazing movies, he was known as the guy who went over time and over budget. And so I guess they had a hard time originally uh selling raiders to a studio because he had that reputation of like oh this guy's gonna go x amount of days over budget and uh and schedule and so it in a way it did solidify him as a top filmmaker in that that was his goal like when you listen to these behind the scenes uh interviews with spielberg he doesn't really talk necessarily about the content he just keeps talking about how i wanted to make a movie that was like super simple. You're only doing one or two takes at a time. You're not setting up, you know, 20 foot dolly tracks. You're just doing simple shots on sticks. And he wanted to wanted it to come in under schedule. And I believe it came in under schedule like by 10 days, something like that. So yeah, that's why I mean that it was like a run and gun movie for him because he really seemed to emphasize that he wanted to be able to show basically studios that not only can he make a good movie but he can make it again under budget and in time
0: which again just absolutely floors me because it's it's shot in south america it's shot in tunisia it's shot in i don't know if they i don't think they went to nepal but they right there's these <laughs> exotic locations where who knows what could have gone wrong just like jaws right there could have been a sandstorm there could have been uh diseases or illnesses or like trouble with local authorities like who knows what scorpions i don't know something could have gone really like snakes like when you just look (laughs) at the production nazis show up right yeah (laughs) so I i just i have nothing really more to say but just absolutely amazing how they got it done so efficiently on such an elaborate um movie with huge production value Incredible.
2: And that's like, and that's again where Spielberg's genius kind of comes in. Cause like, I know one scene, like I love the Spielberg one, I think the Spielberg one is like one of the best cinematic shots ever. Like, I just love how those scenes play out. And there's a bunch of those scenes all over this movie. And he credits that as well to being time saving as well. Cause now, instead of setting up like the, uh, towards the, uh, opening of the movie, when you have, uh, Indy and his colleague, at indy's house at night saying that they got the job or whatever that whole scene plays out in one take and that helps you when it comes to uh when a, from a production standpoint you know you gotta yeah it might take a little bit longer to set up the shot but you got one shot to do as long as everyone hits their marks and everyone's again a professional at what they're doing you can breeze through a scene like that no problem and i definitely think stuff like that helps and um yeah again it's just spielberg's knowledge of cinematic language that really like helps streamline the production. And again, he was adamant about, uh, making sure it was under time and under budget. And they actually did go through some sickness stuff. Cause again, that's where the sword scene plays in where he shoots the sword guy. Cause I guess everyone started eating the local food and, and a bunch of the crew got food poisoning. And apparently the rumor is that Spielberg only ate SpaghettiOs the whole time they were in uh, (laughs) Tunisia. Like he had them shipped over because he just wanted to eat canned American food or something like that. And uh, he was like the only guy apparently that didn't get sick on the crew during the whole shoot. Uh, But apparently he didn't see dailies for a month. So they're shooting all this stuff and he didn't see his first set of dailies for a month. So again, that just proves that you have top people doing what they do best because like to go a month without seeing your dailies, like imagine you got the dailies and they were all shit and you basically had to redo <laughs> a month's worth of work. Like that would have been insane. So yeah. that's where, again, you just have masters and pros doing
1: exactly what they do best on this movie. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want you guys to put your cinema hats on for a second. Put preference aside, uh, like your subjective taste. Do you believe Raiders of the Lost Ark is Steven Spielberg's best made film?
0: No. No. Oh, I, Andrew? Should have, I should have thought about that more
1: um well you think about it for a sec dog chris what do you uh why and what do you think is his best made film uh i don't have his best made film off the top of my head
2: he's made like so many amazing movies yeah. it's like it was like that's like going back to the tarantino thing like what's his best made film like it's so subjective um i would probably say jurassic park is one of my favorite like Films like in terms of how like that movie is almost like perfect to a T just rewatching again Indiana Jones this morning the Raiders this morning you can see from a production standpoint those uh, choices he made to help save them time and budget and um, so I don't I think the movie the movie ages pretty well but there's scenes like the airplane fight scene that I don't think ages the best but I imagine they kind of shot that uh, out of spontaneity like just trying to get it in the can. Um, yes yeah, Jurassic Park I would say is up there Schindler's List for sure uh, it's hard to say I'd have to I'd have to go through his discography and see but it's, it's, yeah. it's yeah we so don't have time say, for that it's a Christian. long list
0: I'd say, <laughs> yeah. hey, no, I, I'd say it's up there like I was thinking Schindler's List as well Saving Private Ryan uh, yeah true apparently
2: this is the only movie he's done this for but apparently he storyboarded the whole film prior to shooting uh. this thing because that was how he was going to be like, cause I guess he just likes to find the shots in the moment. And which is why I imagine he goes over schedule, but um, Uh, this one, he had it pretty storyboarded to a T and they kept crediting that as the reason why they were able to like just breeze through this uh, shoot. But apparently Spielberg was not a huge fan of that process. And apparently he's never done it since.
0: Well, I don't know why, because I mean the results kind of speak for themselves. I mean, especially that truck chase. Like, I think those are the ones, and all the behind the scenes, you see the storyboards of Indy jumping from the horse to the truck, and and uh, I I I would I would use that as an argument for why it is one of the better uh, produced. Not you know they're all good, but I think the use of that pre planning obviously uh, obviously succeeded. Yeah, 100%. now. One, uh, we talked about the cinematographer
1: a little bit earlier. I think Chris mentioned him. I don't know if you've ever read this, either of you, but he's known for, uh, what's his name again? Douglas Slocom. I think that if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I'm sorry, Doug, but he's known for, I'm guessing he died a long time ago because his last, okay. is, uh last crusade actually. Uh, okay. Well, may he, may he rest in peace. He was known for not using a light meter. Which I think is amazing when you look back at these films. I think he shot all three of them. But just some of the like the the sunsets and the and the silhouettes and some of the, the shots in like the caves and stuff like that blows my mind that he was able to do all that without using a light meter, like just knowing, just having the, the knowledge in his head of how to shoot it and, and for Spielberg to trust him. I don't know if he was a very popular cinematographer before doing raiders, but that shows a lot of trust and obviously that shows a lot of skill. Yeah, he was a
2: big, uh, it looks like just kind of glancing over his IMDb page right now. uh, He is like, again, a master at his craft. Like he had, like Indiana Jones are among his last couple credits. And like, he's got this huge laundry list of credits prior to that, uh, including the original Rollerball, uh, the original Italian job, uh, the 1974 Great Gatsby. Like there's some big, uh, there's some big movies in there. I'm sure there's other big movies here that I just don't recognize the titles as well. But he definitely was a master of his craft as well. And again that goes to show you he's not even using a light meter. like that's insane, especially when you're in the sun where your contrast ratios are so different like your shadows are so dark and your highlights are so like so intense like that's crazy that he didn't use a light meter.
1: So we're gonna shift over to the sequel from 1984, uh, the Temple of Doom. I know Andrew is a huge fan of this movie. Am I correct with that Andrew? Yeah, it's my second favorite. Interesting. So what I want to touch on with Temple is, I don't know who knows and who doesn't, but uh, Steven Spielberg is not a huge fan of this movie. Uh, I think also I was reading that it's the reason the PG-13 rating uh, eventually existed because of this, and I think Gremlins in the same year. And uh, I just want to know your thoughts, Andrew, why you enjoy it, uh, what you like about it, what you might not like about it. I'm just curious... uh, do you have a little bit to say about temple.
0: Well, uh, my answer is going to bleed into the next question that you're going to ask. So if if that's okay with you Adam because I think that's a it's kind of a double-edged sword here. You you Okay, uh, well if you Yeah.
1: If you want them, we can just put them together. So my next question obviously is I'm asking about Last Crusade, the third movie. So we can just talk about both sequels just to make it easier and then you can give us your full answer Andrew. Uh, I am a huge fan of Last Crusade. And because it follows this, you know, I know a lot of people don't like it because it follows the same formula as the first one. And I kind of know where you're going to go with this, Andrew, so take us away.
0: Yeah, I think that Indiana Jones is, um, well, I don't think. It it is based off of serials, and I think it works well, like Star Wars, uh, like James Bond, as a serialized structure. Uh, And therefore, I like the idea that each entry, each chapter is unique. I like the idea that this guy is uh, globe-trotting and each chapter should be set in a radically new environment or have a different tone or a different feel like that's what's so universal about Indiana Jones is that he's the character, he's the archetype and you can place that archetype wherever you want sort of thing. So what I like that is that Temple uh, breaks the formula. Temple goes in a different direction. Temple doesn't just follow the same beats as Raiders, puts him in a new environment, puts him in a new sort of conflict. Um, I, that's exactly what I think the character should, uh, how the character should exist. And I feel like one of the biggest setbacks for me about Last Crusade is the fact that it's so formulaic and does just sort of feel like a pretty close copy. Of Raiders of the Lost Ark, had they not introduced that whole father-son element, I think the movie would be considered would be rated way lower. Not rated, like it wouldn't be considered as um, as strong because everyone would just say, "Oh my gosh, it's just a copy of Raiders." He's back in the Middle East. He's back in the desert. He's back fighting Nazis. Uh, Sala and Marcus Brody are back. He's going after another biblical artifact. Um, I think Sean Connery in that character is what saves and elevates that movie, uh, Last Crusade to what it is. So, so I like Temple of Doom. I get that it goes really graphic and really dark in a few places, and it's kind of curious <laughs> child slavery, child and slave hearts out. Yeah, um, it's weird that they all went that far or decided to push it that far. But um, I and I like I said, I like that it's a, a different type of story, and I like. The action sequences in it are uh, phenomenal. And it's got that that classic Spielberg-ness. Like, really well-directed, really well-paced, really well-lit. Uh, I just think it's it's great. It's got some of the best action in all the movies.
1: Well, yeah, I, I so I watched both of them, Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. And I think of all of them, Temple of Doom, I think, has the most action. Like... It feels like, I listened to a guy review the movie, and he said it almost doesn't even have a three-act structure. It's almost two acts, because once they get to uh, the Temple of Doom, it's just non-stop. Like They go right through right into the end, and I agree with you. Like I, I think the first time I saw it, I didn't really like it that much, but I think it's grown on me. Like there's still a lot of good stuff there. I just I am I, I have a soft spot for the father son relationship in the third one. And as as much as I can recognize that it's that it does follow the formula, I think it's a good formula. And I, I think there's enough different. I and I was curious and I want to get your thoughts. Do you think they could have removed the Nazis in the third one and just come somehow come up with another set of villains? Do you think that would have been possible?
0: Yeah, I think it would be possible. I think the Nazis are more prominent in the third one than they are even in um, Raiders. I I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I I don't like that they keep defaulting to that. You know, the, and even in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, they're not Nazis, but they're Russians. Like it's you kind of just substitute one for the other. I don't think Indy always needs to be fighting some evil Eastern European army. <laughs> so Andrew, do you in like can you watch Last Crusade? Like, do you enjoy it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's, uh, they go in, my favorites go in order that they were released. So, uh, um, okay. it's a, it's a close, it's a close third. They're all close together. I, um, I, the thing everybody loves about it. I don't like so much. Uh, I don't need the father son thing. Like I don't get me wrong. I think it works, but it's not necessarily what I want to see from Indiana Jones. I think Indiana Jones is an archetype and I don't think an archetype really needs, Um, a lot of depth to their character. They don't really need a lot of drama to their character. And Indiana Jones is this kind of cool, you know, leather jacket, pistol-toting badass. I don't really want to see him have uh, sappy moments with his dad. Like, that's just kind of not what I want from that character. Um, So I like Sean Connery. I like what they do. To me, it's just a bit of a step back. It it feels like the first step into more of like a family-friendly Indiana Jones. And that's kind of not what I'm looking for. I know you didn't watch them, Chris, but what do you recall
1: from Temple of Doom and Last Crusade? Uh, It's been a long time since I've
2: revisited both of those films. I'll be revisiting them this week for sure after watching Raiders. Uh, But from my recollection, I remember liking Last Crusade more than Temple, but now you guys speak so highly of Temple. I definitely am curious to check that one out. I just remember, uh, is her name Kate Capshaw? She's like the damsel yeah. in distress the whole time. I remember her being her character just being so annoying throughout the film, but um, but uh, yeah, I'm curious to uh, check it out again and see uh, see how what my modern thoughts are on it. But before I used to like Raiders, then Crusade, then Temple, then
1: Kingdom. Basically, that's my order. Now uh, I do like in Temple of Doom the 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 type of character that it's Willie right played by Kate Capshaw. Yeah. Um, I like that it's a shift from what we had with Miriam in the, in the first one played by Karen Allen, but in rewatching it, I I still agree. She's, she's too much. She's there is, there are some sequences when she's good and some that I find her incredibly annoying. And that is a little bit of a drawback for the movie for me. And, uh, and that's one of the, the big reasons why I love the third one, because I love the ending of last crusade. I think it's stronger than Raiders. I think it's the best ending of all of them. Uh, I, I mean, Raiders is good. I'm not knocking Raiders, so I, that's kind of where I'm at. I still put Last Crusade above Temple of Doom, but I do recommend it, Chris, because it is really cool to see dark Steven Spielberg because he totally shifted his style and tone after this. I think he was really, really had a hard time with with the. Uh, reception temple of doom got just with the subject matter and he just kind of shifted because he did the color of purple right after empire of the sun last crusade so it was kind of the end of the really 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 dark steven spielberg but definitely check it out uh do you yeah, guys definitely. have anything more to say or do you want to
0: shift to uh that inevitable fourth one that, that we got like other problems i have with last crusade is again it, it starts this sort of spielberg like let's get the the gang back together, are lovable characters, you know, and I already mentioned, like, <laughs> Salah comes back and, and Marcus Brody, who is, like, Indy's old college friend who, um, you know, sets up the Ark thing in, in Raiders and he sets up this mission again in Last Crusade. They decide that this time he's going to come along and be part of the adventure, and I'm just like, that's, like, he has nothing to do throughout that whole movie. And it's, it begins this idea of just, like, collecting these characters as we go so that at the end there's like 10 10 of our heroes are there and <laughs> we'll talk about it with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull cuz it suffers from the same problem even more they've got all these guys hanging around and they they're not doing anything they're just sort of there and it really takes away from Indy sort of lose Indy in the crowd of all these people um so i think to your point about the darkness like you're right that's sort of when spielberg starts to lose his edge A little bit I think he was edgier when he was younger he was riskier when he was younger and I think that uh, for me that produced some of the best stuff
2: I'm curious if uh I'm curious if George Lucas had a hand in that as well because obviously we all know that Harrison Ford was supposed to die uh was it in return or end of empire or something like that Star Wars and like And then the famous story is that, you know, he wanted to sell toys and be kid-friendly and this and that, and that's why you have the Ewoks and stuff like that. So I was just looking, and George Lucas has a story by credit for all three movies, and for the fourth movie, like, that's one of the complaints you hear about is that it was George Lucas's kind of, like, alien idea that kind of, like, tanked that movie in a way. So I wonder if that also plays into it as well as, like, he wanted it to be, you (laughs) know— more kid-friendly, fan- ha- family-friendly to sell more toys and shit like that.
0: I don't know I what believe- the hell happened to George Lucas, but, man, that guy, he, just, <laughs> he will not stop till he has ruined every franchise he was ever a part of. And Spielberg's
2: <laughs> bad, though, for it, too, because, like, everyone shit on the E.T. Uh, ET remastering with, like, the walkie-talkies oh, and all yeah. that stuff. So yeah. I, I, that's probably why they're, like, buddies, right? They, you know uh i I think spielberg is a better filmmaker overall but uh what's it called they probably have some similarities in that sense where uh yeah they're just making weird decisions and who's gonna question george lucas and steven spielberg nobody they're gonna be like yes boss right away
1: (laughs) (laughs) well that's a good segue to kingdom of their crystal skull did you guys all see it in the theater yep yep I remember getting a hat when I went there. I never really got any <laughs> merchandise before the theater, but when I left the theater in St. Thomas, they had hats, and I got an Indiana Jones hat. It was amazing. Oh, I nice! Loved it. It, didn't, it didn't say Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which was great. It just said Indiana Jones. Like this is awesome.
0: Wait, do you um, have it still? It used to be by your bed, didn't it?
1: No, no, no. I had a, I had a fedora. Not, uh, not that hat. I had, I had a fedora. No, this was just a, a basic black cap.
0: That said Indiana oh, Jones and oh, in Yellow. Oh, I thought they were selling fedoras at the movie theater. No. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. And whips and everything. It was great. <laughs>
1: um, in regards to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh, do you guys think it was really bad or do you think you were just more disappointed with it when you look back now? Because it's been out for for a while now, like 13 years, and I don't know if you guys have revisited it, but do you, do you think it's bad or do you think it's just disappointing? I remember revisiting it. Uh, a couple of like basically when the blu-ray
2: box set came out i revisited it. that was in 2012 that was probably the last time i watched all four movies kind of like back to back um i remember the first half of that movie plays out a lot better than the second half like basically come uh what's it called when shia labeouf is uh swinging with the monkeys is basically where that oh, movie boy. Jumps show. <laughs> from what i recall i'm gonna watch that again as well this week just to see like my recollection of it but uh I remember liking the first chunk of that movie and then it just really
0: goes off the rails. Andrew. Yeah, I think it's bad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I, am a, I'm a bit alone on this. Like Chris, I've read a lot of uh, things on the internet where fans say a lot of it's salvageable or parts of it are still really good. Um, I, I personally just can't watch it. Like I don't, I don't care for any of it. Um, and it's, it's not easy to say why. Like, I don't even know fully myself. I think the loss of Douglas Slocum or Slocum, however you say his name, is a huge part of it. He only died in 2016, but I guess he retired long before that. Um, The whole thing just looks differently. It just does not look like Indiana Jones to me. I even last night in prep for this pulled up a couple of screen grabs, like side by side, of similar scenes, you know, like three of the four movies start with indie in the classroom teaching and somebody comes into the room so i took like a similar shot from kingdom and a similar shot from last crusade and a similar shot from raiders and it just it kingdom stands out so much it just looks completely the colors are like oversaturated almost it's got that modern spielberg look where like it's kind of overexposed you know like everything kind of looks glowy chris do you know what i mean by that like all the window yeah, lights 100%. and light lights reflecting off people have that kind of soft focus glow to it, and it's an okay look. But everything Spielberg does now looks like that, and it Indiana Jones shouldn't. So I think first and foremost, the drastic change in cinematography is what really makes it stand out for me, and I just can't. I just can't watch it. Also, I think Spielberg's lost a lot of his like uh, comedic timing. There's a f- a lot of jokes in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and a lot of weird performances that just don't really land for me. They overdubbed a lot of Harrison Ford's dialogue like through ADR, and I don't know why. Uh, Red Letter Media already commented on his line of like Shia LaBeouf's like you're a teacher, and he's like in the trailer you see the original take, and he's like part time, and it kind of sounds like gruff Indian. And then when you watch the movie, they've dubbed it over, and he's like part time. And it's just the weirdest <laughs> delivery of that line. And so I just don't think, I think they're all old. I think Harrison Ford's an old man. We don't want to see an archetype like Indiana Jones be an old man. I think Spielberg's an old man and he's soft and he's lost his edge. And then I think there's enough changes in the crew. And George Lucas insists on aliens and monkeys and I, and, and all of it. Just It's the opposite of Raiders. Everything came together and made Raiders work. Everything in in a blender on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, what was produced is just, uh, it's not not for me. I think it's night and day.
2: Yeah, just looking at, uh, just speaking to your cinematography uh, points, it looks like, I can't pronounce this guy's name to save my life, but it's been (laughs) Spielberg's uh, go-to DP for what looks like every movie he's done since uh, Schindler's List. It's been the same cinematographer, and he was the one that did... uh, Crystal Skull, among with, like like I said, literally every other Spielberg movie that's pretty much come out in the last 20 years. So he's he's another master of his craft, but, like, yeah, I agree. I don't like old Indiana Jones, especially, like, hearing all the... And in the the behind-the-scenes stuff for Raiders, you hear a lot about this is, like, Spielberg's response to James Bond, and to your points about Temple as well. I think they should have been more james bond-esque this series of having you know him just come in for an adventure and leave and you can watch the next movie without having seen the last one etc i think you can get away with it with last crusade but again i have to rewatch it to fully uh to fully uh, speak to that point but with kingdom you're aging the character it's kingdoms also a bit of a like you're you could tell they're setting it up so that shia labeouf is going to be the next indiana for like the next film great yeah and, that's what uh, we all want perfect yeah, exactly. Well, Shia had a great little, uh, I still think he's a great actor. He went off the rails after, uh, uh, that movie. And like the third transformers was somewhere around there as well. But, um, but yeah, they're just, it, they're setting The problem is I think they were just setting it up like a lot of movies these days, they're always setting up for the next one. And I think that's ultimately what is crappy about kingdom. And then I think what helps sell Indiana Jones in the first three is that it's more supernatural, But when you get with aliens and stuff like that, now you're going more sci-fi. And Indiana Jones is on a sci-fi character, like our sci-fi hero. He needs to be like this supernatural, you know, in the jungle, in the pyramids type of character. Like looking at old religious things that are like thousands of years old versus like trying to find UFOs and stupid shit like that. (laughs) Yeah. that to Star Wars.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right. like there's a f- there's a goddamn flying saucer at the end of this movie. Like, give me a break! I thought for for years on the internet because this movie was in development hell for a long, long time, and I saw rumors in like the early two thousands of a, of a title Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars, and I thought this is oh, a God. prank. This is something ridiculous. And um, as time went on, I kept hearing this aliens thing, and the, as the movie took shape. Frank Darabont came on and wrote a script at one point and this alien rumor kept persisting and I thought no and I was in denial until I saw the damn movie like it was even when we saw the the crystal skull itself on the poster and it like looked pretty alien and I was like ah there might still be an explanation there. and then they friggin' show an alien corpse or whatever in the movie and it wasn't until then that I was like oh god no And then it just you see a big CGI alien and and flying saucer at the end of this movie. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it.
2: Yeah, it's too much. It's too much for this kind of movie.
0: Yeah, ridiculous. And you can just add them to your point about like, is this a bad movie? Yes, I think it is. You can obviously see how this is a um, a Frankenstein of a bunch of different ideas crammed together. Like we needed to have aliens, therefore we needed to have like a connection to. Uh, Roswell and they wanted to do like an Area 51 thing but at the same time they know Indiana Jones isn't about aliens so they had to also work in like ancient Aztec or Mayan culture so like that had to be jammed together into it then the Russians needed to be the bad guys so we needed to have like psychic warfare that kind of needed to be fit in so now we've got aliens related to ancient uh, Mayan civilizations mixed with Soviet Psychic Warfare and uh, Crystal Skulls themselves don't necessarily have any connections to aliens, right? If you listen to Dan Aykroyd, he goes off about them. So now we've got to fit like Crystal Skulls. And with So you've got all these elements from different screenplays and ideas over the years, and you can tell at one point they were just like, ah, forget it, just, just mash them all together and we'll call it a movie. And I, I think it's pretty obvious that, that none of it really flows or works very well.
2: No. And, and they're getting too old too, for the movie as well. Cause like you watch Raiders and like that whole truck sequence is amazing. And then just to compare it to the monkey slash chase scene from kingdom and like, it all looks like dog shit. Cause it's all shot on green screen and like, Ugh. there's like showing their age Ugh. right there. It's just like, Oh, we're too old and tired to, uh, I want to be in the green screen studio for a couple of days. I don't want to be in the middle of the jungle shooting this chase or whatever. You're
0: right. Absolutely right. And like, and, and Spielberg even said, I want to keep this production in America so that I can keep flying home and hanging out with my family. So all the oh, scenes really? in South America are all shot in Hawaii. Which is like, okay, fine, a jungle's a jungle. But no, I don't think a jungle is a jungle. Like in the first one, they had the gumption. I, I think in the scenes in Peru and the first one were actually in Hawaii. I'm not sure. But they went to Tunisia for a long time. So in this movie, they could have gone to South America. They could have filmed at some actual temples or something. But just as you said, a bunch of old men who'd rather sit around and <laughs> get to bed early. The CGI is awful. Yeah. It's awful in that movie. Terrible. Well, the the key word we said at the beginning with Raiders, especially was simple
1: and just hearing your explanation of the development of the script, uh, Andrew, like that is the exact opposite of simple. That's complicated. That's too much going on. It needs to be simple. And even Temple of Doom, I would say, is more on the simple side. And Last Crusade, like it's this is what he's after. This is his motive. This is what's in his way. Keep it simple. And like. I'm trying to count in my head, like to your point, Andrew, uh, about more people being with India at the end. Isn't he in like a group of six or seven by the end of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Because it's Shia LaBeouf, Karen Allen, John Hurt, uh, him, his buddy. Okay, so I think it's five, five or six. That's but they're just all hanging out together. Three
0: too many. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's way too much. And I, um, uh, just to segue because I don't think anyone's mentioned the new one that's coming out. Uh, in development. I don't know where it is. I don't know if you guys have any updates on if it's going to camera or not, but do you think shifting directors may actually save Indiana Jones or do you think it's done? Because it's James uh, Mangold directing, well, I'll, right?
2: I'll jump in. Yeah. So James, as far as I'm aware, James, I believe it's very close to going to cameras at this point. Uh, it's James Mangold, which that's where... I think they should just stop with the Harrison Ford stuff at this point and, like, they should go the James Bond route where they should – they if they're going to keep making these things, then recast them and, like, make these things like a James Bond movie where, you know, each one is just a solo adventure kind of thing. I think old man uh, Indy didn't work in Kingdom, so why is even older man indie going to work <laughs> in the new one? <laughs> now, James go- Mangold is, like uh, – I would say he's a bonus for this uh, movie because obviously he's made a couple of great movies over the last couple of years, uh, Logan and Rush being uh, two of them. Uh, but um, the fact that Spielberg was supposed to make this movie, but then dropped out because he didn't like the script. So it's like, oh, shit. Okay, well, this doesn't sound that promising after all kind of thing. Well, that's surprising, yeah.
0: I have uh, – As much as I think Spielberg is not the man today that he was 40 years ago, um, it's just weird to think of an Indiana Jones movie not directed by Steven Spielberg um, simply because, like, when you think of a series and you think of the creative forces behind it, like, had it been a James Bond movie and it had been a new director every movie, like, I think, I don't know about From Russia with Love, but Goldfinger was definitely directed by somebody different than who did the other two. And, um, I think then I would be fine if each movie had a different flair. Kind of like what we said about the Harry Potter movies. I liked it better when each movie was directed by somebody new. But at this stage to change, so late in the game, I think James Mangold Mangold will have to adopt a Spielbergian tone in order for this to work. Like, he's going to have to watch Spielberg's methods and try and match that. And I don't know that's what another director wants to do, right? He probably wants to make it his own. So... I agree with uh, Chris's points, like, um, they said when Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was coming out, you know, Spielberg would be like, oh, we're we're not hiding how old uh, Harrison Ford is, he's going to be a 60-year-old man, but we're not going to color his hair or pretend he's younger, like, we're going to address his age. And I was like, okay, so they had characters, like, calling him Grandpa and him talking about the passage of time but they did hide his age because they had him doing things that no 60 year old man would be able to comfortably do so that's what takes you out of it i'm like okay he looks old but now he's still punching and jumping and whipping and flying around then i'm like it's, it's not working anymore so to chris's point i don't know how the hell it's going to work now that he's like in his 70s and uh they're gonna have to have him take a bit of a back seat they can't ha- they can't have exactly. him doing what he used to do it would just look ridiculous
2: and that's where I think they need to go the James Bond method like they already kind of tied a bow on the ending at the end of they already did it with Last Crusade but then they definitely did it with Kingdom <laughs> having him get married and all that stuff so like we don't need expansion on that story because Shia LaBeouf hasn't been cast in the movie but like technically that's still a story thread that will be out there and like again what why is 75 80 year old Indy going out at this point in like adventures. If anything, they should remake up and that should be Indiana Jones in the house. <laughs> that's the kind of, that's the kind of fifth Indiana Jones movie that would be appropriate for his age at this point. Just him in a retirement home with, with, <laughs> with no him animals. not wanting to leave his house. He's just a crabby old man. And then somehow he ends up in the jungle again with a giant bird.
1: Uh, okay. I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So uh, I'm assuming uh, Chris said it. Uh, Andrew, so you think that Andy, or Harrison Ford should not uh, play Indiana Jones again? He should be done or should they should they write him out because we, we have this debate with with Rocky and in, in the Creed movies with Creed 3 coming out. should should we see Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones again or should he just never come back? Who me? Yeah, like in your opinion.
0: My opinion is they need to stop making these bloody movies. Just let it die. <laughs> and they should have they should have stopped in 1989. Just le- let it be, and we'll get some new stuff that we like. But we can't get good new stuff if the old shit keeps coming back. Um, I so agree. That's my that's my opinion. If but if I don't have a say, and they're going to make a fifth one anyway, then I think Chris said it. Like, have him be old. Have him be retired. Maybe he gets dragged along. But you're going to need a new, younger character that's doing most of the, the, the whether that's Shia LaBeouf or they find somebody else to be, something I don't know, but uh, he he can't he can't be the focus and try to be the same thing he used to be before. It just it just doesn't work.
2: Yeah, I think a couple of years ago there was rumors around the time when guardians of the galaxy one came out that chris pratt could be the new indiana jones and a a couple years ago i would have (laughs) said that was perfect casting now i think his uh his uh public image is a little bit different now so it would be weird casting with indiana jones but like five years ago i think that would have been a perfect recasting and uh yeah they just need to bail on old man indiana jones and like like watching the end of Raiders, there's like that giant warehouse full of a million things in there. There's a million stories that could be told. Like who's to say that Indiana Jones couldn't provide a couple more boxes for that warehouse? You know what I mean? There's so many more James bond s stories, like one-off adventures that can be told. And uh, I don't care what old man Indiana Jones has to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah, it seems like a good avenue for young directors and writers to tackle and get an opportunity just like James Bond to have your own stamp on it and and tell a unique story and like you said Chris like have more uh, you know artifacts or whatever they're going after to to fill up well what we learned is, is Area 50 <laughs> Area 51 apparently. But um yeah, I totally agree with you and I think again, I don't know if you would make, you know, if it would be as successful as James Bond, but I think you know, there's a lot of opportunity there and obviously they went a different direction. So we are where we are now. And I guess my opinion would be if you can, if you got to do it, I have a soft spot for mentor roles and passing of the torch. So if you're going to have a young up and coming, uh, archeologist or someone, and they reach out to Indiana Jones and they go on an adventure and he helps and aids them throughout it. I guess I'd, I'd make do with that at this point. I don't agree with going that direction, but I feel like they kind of have to at this point. So, I I would have, you know, I'm not a huge Indiana Jones fan, so I don't really care, but it sucks, because the first three were perfect, and as you can say what you want about The Last Crusade, but riding off at the sunset was just a perfect way to end the character, and now they're where they're at now, where the last time we've seen him is at his wedding... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with Miriam walking up, and I do like the the hat though I like the little hat gag they do at the end of it where oh my god you think shy Shil- fun of that hat gag. <laughs> yeah. oh you don't like it I love it I just because again I just I like that he steals the hat from him and puts it on I think that's that's totally the Indiana Jones character and it's kind of reminiscent of his relationship with his dad where uh uh uh, Sean Connery was never satisfied with anything that Indy did, and he rides him the whole movie. And I just thought that was a nice little touch on a pretty poor movie. Um, just uh, to end on... Before, cut... we, before we move yeah, on real quick, did
2: you guys ever yeah. play the uh,
1: Uncharted video game series?
0: No.
2: no. Oh, see, so I, I know they're making a movie. Uh, they have just finished shooting the movie with uh, Tom Holland as the star, which I'm really? not huge on that casting decision. I think he's way too young compared to the... Nathan Drake character from the video game. But I think now that you have uncharted the video game, like being your modern day Indiana Jones, I think those movies were really well, or sorry, those video games were really well done. The story is very Raiders, Last Crusade, Temple of Doom S. He's always going to some jungle somewhere to find some artifact. He always has to go through um, some kind of series of puzzles to get the artifact, that kind of thing. So I'm curious to see too, like, that's where I, that's why I think they should just recast Indiana Jones and go, uh, like, adventure style at this point, instead of being old man, because now you have us modern audiences comparing to Uncharted and there's some amazing set pieces in Uncharted. And so, and now you have the movie coming out, which is obviously a huge inf- like Indiana Jones's influence over all those uh, stories is like pretty uh, clear. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how they like do old man, Indiana Jones, when you have these awesome Indiana Jones
1: stories already being told and it just in a different medium basically yeah I, I i'll be honest i've never even even heard of it so once we're done here i'm gonna look into that what'd you say it was uncharted uncharted check them out the trailers are really well done like the cinematics
2: are really well done and literally it's like you could swap nathan drake with indiana jones and you wouldn't bat an eye it's pretty much all all there Great. it's very That's- very similar
0: Then we don't need a fifth Indiana Jones. We've got Uncharted now. Let's just enjoy that. Exactly. And then the new Tomb Raider is also very Indiana Jones-esque.
2: So you already have these competing adventure properties. So yeah, like you got to make this fifth Indiana Jones really stand out because these last two properties, Uncharted in particular, did a really good job bringing something new to the table, but also really showing its influences as well. I'm sure it'll be great.
0: I'm sure part part 5 of every series is they're just they're just hitting their stride by the part 5 so I'm sure it'll be To an be fair,
2: the best part 5 movie is
0: Fast and Furious 5. <laughs> well, who who directed that? Maybe bring them in on this and do do the Indiana Jones what they did for Fast and Furious. We need Vin
1: Diesel on the rock in uh, Indiana Jones 5. That's oh, what we
0: god. need. Oh god. Oh god, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> what
2: I don't want them to do going forward with the movie is knowing like like you were saying, like, uh, a lot of movies these days pray uh, like want the nostalgia. They want you to watch it with the nostalgia from the movie like 30 years ago. And I'm worried they'll make like a prequel movie where he uh, meets Marion for the first time. That's the first thing I thought of when he meets her in Nepal and you find out that like backstory. There's, there's just enough that you get what happened between these two, but it's still it's so vague. It's perfect. It's perfect. And that's what I'm worried they'll do going forward with this franchise is like they'll start doing the Star Wars shit where it's like, oh, remember this little thing that happened in this movie? Well, now we're going to make a whole two-hour movie about that.
0: You know what, though? I would almost rather see young Indiana Jones adventures than I would old Indiana Jones adventures because at least you've got that like old, like early 20th century feel to it. You could go back to like the 1920s even or I'm not saying I need like a story just about. Indy and marion or about the arc or anything but if you want to do some young adventures and show abner ravenwood this character we hear but we never actually see i yeah i again i don't want it but i i could live with that more than i could like sequels that now the fifth one's gonna have to take place in like the 60s like that just doesn't feel right with indiana jones so So to wrap all this up i'm just curious and
1: uh, i don't know what you guys have to say but i just i'm a little curious Um, what does Raiders of the Lost Ark and the character of Indiana Jones mean to you? And how do you perceive the legacy of the franchise and the character, let's say, before Indiana Jones 5? I I guess we we have to include it, but just kind of, you know, what what it all means to you. And I I know, Andrew, you've touched on it a little bit uh, in our Spielberg episode and a little bit earlier, but I'm just curious, just to kind of wrap it up and, uh, you know, just a nice way to end this episode.
0: I, uh,. You know, I, what I want to say is that I just like it. You know, we, we have a big uh, right now. The popular thing is to have a ton of uh, reverence for movies that came out in the '70s and the '80s, and we got to treat them like they're like they're holy property, and and we have to have all these callbacks and fan service, and and I, I'm not saying I worship it. You know, I'm not saying I I, I I watch it every night before going to bed. Like I just like it. It's just a good movie. Yes, I have fond memories of watching it over the years, Um, but like, let's just enjoy it for what it is. It it, it's it's rousing, it's exciting, it's really well done. You can you can enjoy it just to sit and watch it. You can enjoy it from a a filmmaking standpoint. Um, I think every decision they made is just right, and it's it it should be what it is is what it should be is inspiration to new generations of filmmakers to to watch it and to try and understand a bit more about cinema and, and, and how to be effective without trying to be effective too much. And it should be inspiring people to, uh, to create new, new masterpieces uh, and, and, and create a Raiders of the Lost Ark for our own generation, for each generation. What about you, Chris?
2: Uh, well, I'll, I'll always love this trilogy of movies. It's uh, among the best. And um, I, love, I always love a good... I guess James Bond esque movie, like uh, like uh, a rugged, tough guy who like gets beat up but gets the job done and that kind of stuff. Like it's just escapist entertainment at its finest. And um, I'll always hold, I'll always cherish this uh, trilogy of movies. I can't wait till they finally. I didn't realize going back to watch uh, Raiders on Netflix that um, it's only in HD. I thought the transfer looked terrible, so I'm looking forward to like. The 4K HDR version, Disney will probably inevitably put on their service. But um yeah, I love the movies. It's like one of those movies where you can't wait to show your kid once they come to the appropriate age. and uh And like I said, it's just masters at work. We didn't even mention John Williams and the amazing score, which oh, again is another boy. master of work. And like he's coming <laughs> off of Star Wars and Jaws. So like, again, just another person on the crew that is like amazing at what they do. And it's just like one of those lightning in a bottle type movies that it's... You can't recreate. That's why Raiders is the best one out of all of them because it was just like all this, all the stars aligned to make this
1: perfect movie. Essentially, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah,
1: just to touch on John Williams too. I didn't even realize the Temple of Doom score is incredible. Oh when especially God. when they go into the temple, it's it's fantastic. Like he, everyone knows how great John Williams is, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Temple of Doom because everyone thinks of like obviously the main theme, but there's a lot of good uh, music in in the original three indiana jones movies and uh yeah I, I he was mentioned at the beginning but yeah we didn't really talk about it. the musics obviously fantastic
0: i think that 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 was williams like his stride 80 to like 84 in there like you've got empire raiders et uh temple of doom like you said well you had star wars and jaws right before that it's great great stuff great stuff john keep it up man <laughs> oh i got
1: uh chris when are you going to show noah Raiders of the lost art what do you think is the appropriate age you know
2: what it's funny that like raiders that old rating system raiders is rated pg and like it was way more bloodier and more graphic than i remember especially for a pg movie like i love movie violence and stuff like that but watching it with that context i was like oh wow this is pretty like bloody for a pg movie so I, having said that, it's not like I withhold him from movies. Like, I remember watching rated R movies when I was, like, 10, 12, somewhere like that. Like, Blade Two was my first rated R movie, and that movie's pretty gory. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Probably when he's, like, closer to 10 years old, somewhere around there. Whenever he starts showing interest in films like this, we're just moving over to live action now from cartoons with Noah. He's six. (laughs) So, we're, like, we're just moving on from, like, the Pixar movies and into movies like... Alvin and the chipmunks were like, there's live action, but animated characters into it. So we're, we're slowly, but surely getting there.
0: Basically. Raiders Raiders is the next step. Alvin and the chipmunks Raiders of the last. <laughs> <Earth. laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm, that's
2: what we were saying too. Cause uh, I was watching it this morning with Jenna, my wife, and she was just like, she watched the face melting part and she's like, Noah, this would like scar Noah because he has no context for what Nazis are yet <laughs> and stuff like that. So, like, apparently, uh, according to the behind the scenes, that's why they got away with a PG rating is because all the bad shit happens to the Nazis. So they're like, <laughs> yeah, let the American kids watch that. <laughs> so I can't imagine showing him a face melting thing until he has a better uh, context of it. But uh, but, yeah, looking forward to watching uh, this one with him on uh, that and the original Star Wars and all that
0: stuff. You never forget yeah. your first face melting scene. No, never. There's so many awesome. It's I right a rite of passage.
2: Yeah, it totally is. I love that. <laughs> that shot and like the behind the scenes of how they
1: did it and how people have tried to recreate it over the years. It's, it's so good. Yeah. It's I, I one of my favorite moments just to wrap it up too, that I, I didn't remember liking. I love when he's got like the bazooka or whatever, and he's, he's yeah. threatening to shoot it and end it. And like I forget the bad guy's name, Bellock. but he's just like, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. And, he, and he can't do it. And it's just a great performance by Harrison Ford just when he lowers it. Just it's 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 so good. We could like like you said, Andrew. We could talk about it for hours, but we don't want to lose all our viewers. Well, wait, so. what's
0: Chris's favorite moment? What's your favorite Raiders? Oh moment?
1: yes, favorite
2: Raiders moment. Uh, well, that truck chase in particular is really well done. Uh, I love the plane fight, like I mentioned before. Uh, there's so many amazing, like iconic shots, like. Um, like when he first enters the bar in Nepal, and you see a shadow on the wall. Like the movie does a really amazing job with uh, shadows. Like there's oh, there's uh, every mm, like ten oh minutes yeah. there's a shot where Indy's standing in sh- complete darkness, but then his eyes are usually
1: highlighted, stuff like that. Yeah. Do you uh, before we go? I don't know if you said Andrew. Do you have a favorite scene from Raiders?
0: I I really like the arc, and I for some reason I really like that scene early on when the two CIA guys or whatever. Are recruiting Indy and they're asking him about the Ark, and uh, they say, "What does this Ark look like?" And he goes, "Ah, there's a picture of it right here." And he opens that great big old book, and there's that drawing. That it's supposed to be like a historical drawing, uh, but Ralph MacQuarrie did it. But um, and it's that like, yeah, it's that scene of the Ark and the Ark's up above, and there's like an army of people all like suffering, and the the Ark is like destroying them, and it it foreshadows what happens to the Nazis at the end. And the Ark theme kicks in, and the one guy's like, "Good God." And it just, it's just a master lesson in directing about how much feeling that evokes. Just looking at a picture in a book, that's it. It's a scene in a classroom, or in a lecture hall rather. There's nothing exciting happening, but the music and the editing and the what you're looking at, it just sets the tone for how scary this thing is going to be and how powerful this thing is going to be coming up. So I, I get chills every time that I watch that moment.
2: Yeah, you need that supernatural aspect to Indiana Jones. That's like what sells yeah. it. That's what Uncharted does really well is that it sells the supernatural side of it. And yeah, they got to keep it supernatural. No more aliens. Yeah,
0: no more aliens. Yeah,
1: the 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 performance by Harrison Ford too. How excited he gets, and you get a good sense of of his love and passion for this stuff. And he goes to the chalkboard and he draws, and he gets. You can just see him come to life. And and I really. I really enjoy that one scene that stands out to me that I love just to end it here is I love his scene with Marion when they kiss on the boat and he's like, where are you not sore? And he's like here. Yeah. And then he eventually goes, goes to his lips, just kind of seeing Indy a little vulnerable. And I, I just, it's tastefully done. It's a really nice scene between the two of them. And, uh, that scene's always stood out to me. So how oh, good love Raiders. It's the best. Check it out. It.
0: Check it out. Well, check
1: it out. I haven't seen Indiana Jones and the, or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Check it out, definitely. 40 years old. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to thank you guys both for joining us. Chris and uh, Andrew, it was nice to see you. And, um, yeah, I hope, you know, we
0: see each other in person soon. (laughs) Yeah, man. I'm hoping for 2025, personally. Yeah. (laughs) 2026. We celebrate the 45th anniversary of Raiders together. How's that?
2: Yeah. Oh, there you go. Maybe they'll have, like, a legit 4K restoration
1: by then. We can see it on the
2: biggest screen possible. Great.
1: (laughs) Thanks everyone for listening, and uh, yeah, until next time. Take care. Let's hear it, Adam. Go for it.
0: Like the really obnoxious version? Well don't go over the top, just your regular you. Oh god. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Hey there.
1: Remember that you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many other options. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram as Cut. Bye-bye.